What's up, Blue Jay Nation? Long time no talk. Uh, this is Matt Marinas from White and Blue Review, sitting next to Johnny Atala from the Omaha World Herald. Uh, back at you for another season of the Blue Jay Beat, where we recap um, every game that we watch together of the Creighton basketball team, home or every now and then away. Um, and tonight we are going to dive into Creighton's exhibition win over McKendry. Is it McKendry University? University of McKendry? Don't know. McKendry College. The least amount of, like, prep work I did. You've done on an opponent? Yeah. Yeah, okay. That's totally fair. Yeah, yeah, over the McKendry Bearcats. I actually had a good debate about what a Bearcat is. What is it? I don't know. That's what I mean. I don't know. I figured... My question was, is it more... Is it more cat than bear, or more bear than cat? Like, what what makes it? A, you know, how do you how do you earn the distinction of being a bear cat? You're looking it up right now. Yeah, I mean, they kind of look. That looks more bear like than cat like, don't you think? It looks like a cat head. It looks like with a bear body. Yeah, like a bear cub body. Right. It looks like a bear cub for it's sure, not. with a raccoon head. Actually, it's like a it's like more like a bear coon or a raccoon. I don't know. Bearcat. I don't see the cat part. Anyway, the My Blue Jays, another animal, uh, beat them by 32 tonight. So let's just jump into that. We'll get to your questions. I think we had a handful, some of them pretty creative, some of them non-basketball related, which always, we always appreciate because, yeah. you know, especially variety on, is the spice of life. Especially on an exhibition game. Right, right. right. Um, but as the as the guest, since we're on my phone, so I'm hosting, right? Yep. So as the guest, I'll be... You know, use my manners and let you lead off with your takes. That's very nice of you. Thank you. Um, well, I thought it was, I don't know, it was kind of like a mixed bag, right? Yeah, that's There's fair. stretches where it looked, it looked nice. Mm-hmm. It's good ball movement. Um, good spacing on offense and some nice plays made for one another, good finishes. But then there were times when it didn't. It didn't flow, or a shot was rushed, or uh, you know, a pass was made, anticipating maybe. Um, I, th- I think of a couple instances where Tyshawn Alexander and Marcus Zagorowski were kind of like leading Calvin Jones to a spot. You know, they drove and and thought he would be there, but he wasn't. And so, some of that's continuity. Some of it's just kind of like first game, trying to figure each other out, um, or maybe forcing it a little bit. And then on defense, I, I, I don't know. I think they had some trouble with that screening action and, and the motion that McKendry ran. They seemed to adjust to it as the game wore on, but especially early, like they were giving up some some drives to the to the bucket as they maybe miscommunicated on screen miscommunicated on screens or. Um, yeah, I actually thought the middle portion of the game, like late second half, early for or late first half, early second half was pretty poor defensively in terms of their discipline on I thought, gap uh, being gap sound and not giving as many driving lanes to the rim as like but I felt like the, you know I, I didn't see the beginning of the game was oh, okay well the beginning was the end similar. I felt the end okay <laughs> well, well I felt like in the end of the second half when Creighton had that <clears throat> that secondary rotation that scout team rotation and I thought they were really disciplined in just you know yeah uh, you know tracing the ball uh, making you know, being gap sound, 
um, and just keeping the ball in front of you, <coughs> which was interesting because normally you expect the, the main rotation to be more sound in that regard, but that's what I felt like the defense was better. It was at the end. Of the, at the end? Yeah. yeah. I Well, I just thought collectively they just got used to it and, and you know, again, they, they kind of mentioned after the game that it's a little bit unconventional what they see. Mitch, Mitch Ballack actually compared McKendry's offense to Creighton's offense in the way that they screen off the ball and, the and move constantly moving um, and it forces you as, as a defense to be locked in to communicate I think uh, Greg McDermott said what he said a lot of a lot of those instances there are three it's like one of three mistakes either the ball pressure on the on the passer wasn't there yep. um, there was miscommunication mm-hmm. and what was the third did you say like uh, um, pull it up I was thinking that it was like, I don't know. I don't want to put words in his mouth, so I don't want to. I'm, I'm relying on you to find your find it through your notes yeah, as I'm fast just, as possible. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just typed it up too. Dang it. Anyway, yeah, I think that. Um, <clears throat> I mean, they, the the Jays seemed pretty confident that that the mistakes were correctable. And I'm sure that they've had stretches where they've they've been locked in, but in a first game scenario, they they weren't as maybe sharp as they wanted to be. Out of position, communication, ball pressure. Okay, so that, those were the three. Seems that, like a lot of those. Yeah, you can work on that pretty easily. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but but yeah, like there were some nice highlight moments, and I think that you saw some promise and potential out of the newcomers at times. Obviously. You know, I think I think all of them looked a little nervous to start, but mm-hmm. um, and they I all definitely, made I definitely mistakes. got the feel that there were some jitters, yeah. going on, which is always interesting because I felt, you know, it, it's interesting how, what teams go through when they're at stages because I think there was a portion, um, uh, you know, a clump of practices. I think maybe in the second or third week of preseason where things got kind of stale and you kind of. The guys mentioned that they're just tired of playing against each other because of all the practices they've had. When you consider the spring, the summer, July, Australia, this fall, and then you know you get to go play Missouri, and it's finally an opponent that isn't you, and you get to kind of not only you know you get to like ratchet up the competitive juices, but also things get exposed. And then again tonight, so it's kind of funny how things go in stages because I think I felt like. Watching them in practice, it felt like they were ready for games that, you know, aren't against themselves and ready for some competition that, that means something. And and then you see them come out, and it's just a different level of the, the game. Just, like, it feels different when the lights are on, the speed is yeah, different. Yeah. And it, just, it felt like a lot of guys were struggling with that at first. I know, because it almost felt like there, it was, like, a, just sort of a collective trying too hard yes, to be perfect. I totally or, agree. Or, like, you know we're better than this team so let's beat them by a 40 type mm-hmm. thing from the start and I, I feel like I looked over at Greg McDermott a number of times and I just saw him kind of with like you know those both both hands sort of like <coughs> pressing toward the floor yeah. to sort of signify like calm down I mean I feel it's like funny how it's funny how, funny how Creighton can actually get sped up with as fast as they want to play but you can really tell because they're incredibly out of sync when you can when one or two guys are just playing at a pace that's just too fast despite how fast they want to play it's interesting to find that that balance and making everything sync properly 
Um, and you can tell. And I thought one guy in particular who was a little bit sped up for most of the night was Marcus Zagorowski. Um, I just felt like <coughs> the type of turnovers he was committing weren't typical of he, Marcus. He dribbled off his foot. He, he yeah. uh, lost one, maybe trying to, like, dish to Cut through Christian. lanes that yeah. weren't there type mm-hmm. of deal. Yeah, I just felt like he was a little bit um, trying to force it at times and then too sped up at times. Um, it wasn't really a natural flow for him, which which <coughs> excuse me, I got to take hold tonight. Uh, Greg McNair mentioned in his post game in, in an apt, I think, an apt comparison to Martin Crumple last year uh, was you know he missed the entire off season then just tried to hit the ground running, and obviously from you know that first couple that month and a half wasn't what the last two months two to three months were for Martin. So there's going to be something like that for yeah. Marcus in terms of the stages he goes through to get himself back. And he knows that. <coughs> he uh, does we, know we, that. We talk to but him he still gets frustrated. Yeah, he and, gets you frustrated. Tell, and you could tell yeah. he was frustrated tonight because he was making mistakes that he doesn't feel like he should be making. Right. So that's going to be something to, to watch going forward for sure. <coughs> Individual performances. Obviously, Christian Bishop was really good. Um, I just appreciate how many different ways he scores. Right. I mean, the first bucket of the game was a putback. The next time down, he caught a lob and finished through contact, got an AM1. Um, he had a play where he, I think it was <coughs> in the second half, where he po- posted up, then faced up, and shot a like, left handed runner across the lane off the glass. And then I think it was the next possession where he uh, drove right hand dribble down the middle of the of the lane and, and rose up for a dunk and, and and one like there's just a lot of different <coughs> and he's shown that before by the way you know last year he, sh- yeah. he showed that a lot but um you know to see it, I mean, to see the that, whole package it, it, in one it game it kind of looks so. like he picked up from where the NIT was because I yeah. thought he was really good in that Memphis game doing a lot of the same things he did tonight so mm-hmm. and it, what's interesting about it is because you just wrote about him so <laughs> yeah <laughs> but click. his his uh well, I just think he's so important to the season. Oh, I mean, it's, it's it. really obvious. I mean, yeah. he, the Jays have two centers, so like they're. I mean, both, don't downplay it. You, have, you do have kind of a magic touch going. Yeah. <laughs> they both have two, or they both have to play, and they both have to be productive. Mm-hmm. But Christian, especially because he just has more, you know, not not that much more experience than Calvin Jones in the system, but he has more. And uh, I I do think that his what he does from. Uh, you know, he'll obviously have work to do defensively. He's shorter and not as strong as a lot of guys he'll face. But what he brings on the other end with his activity mm-hmm. and, again, his versatility, his ability to score in different ways, <coughs> um, that's that enhances Creighton's offense. So it's good to see him uh, from Creighton's standpoint. I'm sure that they're happy to see him come out with aggressive mentality and hit those free throws. Yeah, seven, seven, for seven. seven for seven at the free throw line for a guy that – 43 Might not have hit seven all last year. How many did he hit last year? 13? Uh, it, it is. I think it was like now nine or maybe 13 for 34 I think or something sounds, like that. That sounds right. I think he hit 13 last year. Yeah. So tonight's game doesn't count, but seven for seven. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I just felt – I feel like he's been shooting it pretty well. It was 16 of 37. Okay. I feel like he's been shooting it pretty well in practice um, and throughout oh, the summer. Oh, two of nine in the NIT. Was he really? Yeah. Wow. For the line, yeah. So I mean, you can and you, and we you can clearly tell that he's been working on it. Oh yeah, um, he's been putting a lot of time in, and I don't know. He just seems like a different, different. If you can be a different player at the free throw line, he just looks like a different player at the free throw line. Got a lot line. of you know, confidence he, now. Yeah, it doesn't look like he's. 
he's got as much, uh, you know, it's just whatever was bothering him mechanically in his shot doesn't feel like there's as many flaws in that and his routine is more repeatable and he feels comfortable with it and he feels confident in it. And I mean, that's that. I mean, I feel like that's free throw one on one. If you can find a routine that you're confident in, I feel like it doesn't really matter what the stakes are. You, as long as you step to the line, and it's the same shot every single time, right? Yeah, yeah. So that that I mean, you mentioned that was kind of key to not only tonight's performance, but you know, kind of the groove he's felt, you know, throughout practice and the off season. That since he, you know, just tried to develop some kind of consistent routine and try to find some kind of good feel for his shot at that spot on the floor. So. You remember what he was, uh, what he shot in the in, in the inner squad scrimmage? I don't think I have. Uh, he was five for six. Five for six yeah. in the scrimmage, yeah. yeah. And I feel like in other live situations, he shot it pretty well in practice. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. He put in yeah, a lot actually, of work. Let me see if we can look it up. I just did that the other day. Yeah, he put in a lot of work. Um... Oh, they don't do the free throws. Okay, never mind. Take that back. I lied to you all. Um, you, to, you logged all the stats for uh, yeah through twenty five practices. Yeah, because they tried their live five on five stuff. Right, but, for, but not yeah. free throws. Yeah. <clears throat> um, I mean, uh, Christian and Kelvin tonight. Uh, I mean, when you look at their 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 you know combined line of thirty three points, sixteen boards. 14 to 17 or 13 to 17 shooting um that's good but obviously McKendry's undersized and not as physical so you kind of expect that the thing that was probably the pleasant surprise out of those two was three total fouls in 40 minutes because so big, that yeah. was a huge concern coming out of the Missouri scrimmage mm-hmm. and while McKendry doesn't present the physical challenges inside that a Missouri does or you know some of the more potent teams they'll play this season, there is an element that was difficult to guard tonight that create, that those two bigs had to deal with and stay out of foul trouble, I think, was a good step in the right direction for considering the concerns that we've not only had in practices and scrimmages, but also coming out of the Missouri scrimmage for those two. Yeah, well, and I think Craig McDermott was like, it, it was more, it's got to be more of a mentality thing in terms sure. of like being disciplined. You asked him about it after the game, yeah. which is uh, not taking chances when you don't have to, uh, avoiding the silly fouls, the right. ones that like where you're poking at a a guy who gets a rebound or trying to reach on a guard who's going around a ball screen or something like that. Avoid those types of fouls. And but I felt like they didn't. I felt like their activity level didn't drop off either because they were still hustling after it, making things happen. Yeah. While avoiding that foul trouble, right? You know what I mean. So it was a. They did kind of at least for it tonight. They found that balance yeah, of discipline for tonight. And it's kind of interesting because of how hard they both play. Like yeah. They do. They are really active, and they kind of hunt the ball a little bit. They're going to run into some fouls on accident, oh, no you know, <laughs> just, no just like going for a loose ball or or, or trying to uh, get an offensive board. They're going to run into so, some. So, so that, it, I guess that'll that, be like a key every week, I feel, or every game, going into every game. If you do keys in yeah. the game, it's like stay out of foul trouble. Big, keep bigs, the bigs out of foul trouble. trouble. Yeah. So I guess the, 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 the question maybe going forward is how do, how do, how do those two, when – Effort is such a big part of their effectiveness. How do they keep that while avoiding, like you said? Because sometimes effort fouls, you consider be like, all right, that's you know, good job. You, you were at least well intentioned in that regard. Um, how big of a challenge do you feel it is for for two guys that like that who rely on 
you know, just that effort and just going after it to, you know, keep that as a strength of their game while avoiding the weakness in the foul trouble. Well, I guess... That seems like it would be tough, don't you think? Yeah, well, and I think the other thing that plays into it, and it's part of, like, avoiding fouls because you have to... Like, it's discipline and being smart, playing smart, but, like, that mental aspect of knowing where to be, like, they're going to be thinking a lot over the course of the next couple months, I would imagine, out on the floor um, about defensive positioning, about, you know, the offensive play call, because it's not fully natural yet mm-hmm. as they integrate themselves into the system. Mm-hmm. Both Christian, I mean, Christian's learning, still learning how to play five. Calvin just joined the team. Right. Like, there's so much that's going to be on their plate, and I just feel like mentally, how do you, like, can you still play hard and hustle? It's, I mean, again, it's like what you were talking about. Can you play hard and hustle without going overboard? Or without ratcheting it back so much because you're you nervous. Right. Yeah, like yeah, you're yeah. nervous about uh, committing a silly foul or not being in the right spot because you're trying to think too much. So I think there is that balance that they're just going to have to try to navigate. And, and I guess the hope is, like, Greg McDermott mentioned it, and I, I wrote about it a week ago. Like, it it has taken Creighton's five men a while over the last few years. Now, when they've got it, they've been productive, but sure. it's taken them some time. Like, I mean, like not at least a year. Not months. We're talking years. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah, right, right, yeah. Like, Martin, and Kelvin doesn't have years. No, so he he's doesn't. Got, he's, yeah. he's had like three months mm-hmm. or whatever, five months. Um, Martin was year three. It started clicking. Justin Patton needed the redshirt year. Jeffrey Grossell, well, he was banged up, but it still yeah. took him a couple of years to kind of find that groove. So they, you can be really productive. I think I looked at the, I, I tabulated the numbers over the last four years, starting five in this offense is like 11 and a half points per game, shooting 60% from the floor, 65% from the floor, or something like that. You can be really product, productive, and Christian Bishop kind of showed. I mean, he talked about after the game, it was like, you know, when you got the floor space with shooters and they're going to look for you and find you, all you got to do is be active and hustle, and you're going to sort of run into points and buckets and scoring opportunities and that's what this offense can do for the five but obviously um there's a lot of little things that they have to work on too for and sure it can wear on you so we'll see how they handle it like no doubt. Uh, your it's, original it's gonna be the inter- the interesting challenge of at least you know the first month until you know us as observers get a grasp on how they're gonna handle it because yeah. I do feel that it is going to be a pretty daunting challenge for them. When you figure the drop-off in size when you get rid of those two yeah. is, you know, drastic. Right. So you, I, And I think that's one of the things I, you know, we could probably touch on tonight. But, I mean, going forward, a topic that I feel like we're going to be talking a lot about is what does Creighton, what does Creighton do to counter? Because I think that's got to be part of who they are. Because you're not going to expect these guys not to be in foul trouble ever, right? So, what's Creighton's counterpunch to when one of these two is in foul trouble? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Especially if it's Christian. Well, I think because I don't think Kelvin can what, play a lot of minutes. I, I, I just a big stretch. I, Christian maybe because he's you know he's my a little, guess is zone. Okay. Like yeah, you, like you that's go to zone. Right. You if and if, they have practiced a lot of that. right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. But like if Christian Bishop is in foul trouble with like three fouls in the early in the second half like he'll play 
because you can't afford to not have him on the floor, but it'll be in his own. Right. That's my assumption. Yeah. But, so that'll be an interesting thing to talk yeah. about going forward because it is. It that's is one, I think Creighton has one to one have one. a weapon in their bag. Because I don't know if you can to counter that. conceivably say, like, let's put five guards on the floor. Right. I mean, how crazy could it possibly get, right? I mean, who would be your five men in, yeah. that, in that lineup? But the interesting thing, when you asked me about sort of their the big men and their ability to kind of like play hard but also not uh, – or maybe not to lose that edge while they're still processing everything, mm-hmm. I do think it's going to be kind of an up-and-down thing. Like yeah. for the next – on Tuesday, I wouldn't be surprised if one of them really does struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the next week, somebody else – one of the others – like. It's the other guy who's kind of struggling. Like I just think there, there's going to be some ebbs and flows, which is what happens a lot of times when you have an ex- in, inexperience, especially in this system. Position group, because yeah. that's what it is. Right. It's an entire position group. Um, I want to talk about Jet Canfield and Sharif Mitchell at the same time because I, I caught myself like laughing, but not for like not because it was funny, just because I felt like it was really effective, and not a lot of people will probably in the stands expected it. But when you had Sharif and Jet on the floor at the same time, you had two guys that were constantly winning the, you know, that lower center of gravity battle with just being in front of the ball and being tenacious and being really active. And I just, I, I thought it was like surprisingly effective on-ball defense that kind of allowed Creighton to settle in defensively a little bit because they were really disrupting. Um, McKendry's timing in terms of getting into their offense by putting a lot of pressure on the ball, maybe at 30 to 35 feet, and just extending some, you know, one on one isolation ball pressure out there. And I felt like it was pretty disruptive. Yeah. I mean, Jet, Jet does a lot of things well. So, I mean, like, he's 5'10 and he doesn't have a lot of length. Right. But. He makes the right play, and he does the right things defensively. He's in the right spot, which is actually really impressive for a redshirt freshman. I kind of, I kind of thought. It I remember. Take a couple years. I was literally sitting next to. Gosh, I wish I remember. I wrote it down in my notebook somewhere. But I was sitting next to. I think it was Martine and another vet, last year when Jet was out there on the practice floor going through reps, and Martine was like, "Hey, remind me to tell Jet about Tyler." You know Tyler Clement. Right. Like we got to talk to him about Tyler Clement because this was Jet, Jet's fresh, true freshman year. Is like because you know Tyler Clement when he came in, you know it wasn't automatic that it, oh he's he can he had to work his way into a role, and then by the end of his career he's playing mm-hmm. some. And like in my mind, I was like, yeah, that, that makes sense. It's going to take Jet a while to pick it all up, but I feel like he's picked it up faster. Yeah, than he's I picked agree. it up really fast, and he's played. He's playing like the two guard. He came in as a point guard. Now he's playing the two guard. He plays the two guard really well in terms of it's just because like of what his understanding of what the offense is trying yeah. to do. He, I mean, there isn't a position he doesn't know. Honestly, I yeah. feel like he knows where everybody's supposed to be. But I mean, which is a rare thing for a guy his age, yeah. and which is why he's going to be on the floor. It's interesting because, like, especially early in the season with the depth, yeah, with the depth concerns. For sure. I like. I think it was like, how did Spike Albright do it? You know, I mean, he was about five ten, wasn't he? Yeah. If he can play at a high level, high level basketball, play at Michigan, and then I think he finished his career at Purdue. Like, why can't Jet? Right. I and I get it. Like, he's gonna have if you if you're thinking about him playing against a team like Michigan or or uh, a high major team in the Big East, like there's they're gonna swarm him with length and uh, 
there's a potential where he could get really bothered and and obviously can he get a shot off because he's shorter I mean like there's a lot of questions but sometimes solid basketball players um that's that, like, that's what you need I mean if you're, solid. if you're gonna counter all the things that you said that are going that are working against him physically being in the right spot as a basketball player is the only yeah, way to do it. Yeah, that's it. Like, he's, he's going to know he's where he's supposed to be and where the defense is going to be probably better than the defense does. That's how he That's how he can be effective because well, if, they're the, just trying to, yeah. if they're just trying to say, I'm better than you, mano a mano, and that's yeah. when I'm going to expose you, his counter to that is if you can find me sort of deal because I'm going to be in a spot you're not expecting me to be. I'm just really eager to see how he holds up because I think he is going to get some playing time early yeah. in the year and I'm just kind of curious to see how he holds up against because he he has held his own in practice no doubt mm-hmm. but I'm curious to see you know when the when the lights are on he's going up against some of these uh, you know some some good athletes on the uh, on the other teams like how he does right. but the coaches have a lot of confidence in him so I think you're going to see him and I mean, Sharif's going to play too. Yeah. Um, it, but sure, it, it but gets sure. a little bit. Oh, you mentioned their ball pressure, which was good, but like, so you got two short guys on the court at the same time. Small guys, right. freshmen on the court at the same time. Like that, I got to imagine that's a little bit nerve wracking for, for sure. But I think the thing, that, I think the thing that they bring that probably hasn't always been there. You just don't want to do it for a long period of time. Yeah, I mean, if you have to live off of it, it's going to be pretty difficult. Yeah. But they've just got some dog in them that I think is hard to just extract from everybody, you know what I mean? So I think you've got to have some guys that are just bulldogs. Whether they're, you know, whether they're not going to be the biggest, fastest, although in Sharif's case he is the fastest, but, I mean, they're not going to be the most imposing people on the court. But if they've just got, you know, an attitude about them, you can thrive off of that. Mm. You can work that into your, into your DNA a little bit. Because you've got to have guys who are good at, you know, that, that kind of give you what they got, and it kind of helps the collective. Because there isn't a whole lot of bulldog on this team, and certainly not in the upper class part of it. I think to have two guys like that that are just willing to do, you know, sit into a stance and they might and, and be disruptive and just, be in the right spots. That's, provide that's a spark be because yeah. and it's not. I mean, it's it's based on like what you said, like heart and willpower and energy. Like you always have that. They'll always have that. They will always have that. Yeah, for sure. So it's not. Yeah, that's something that can be of value because you can't really <clears throat> coach that into somebody. Yeah. It's just got to kind of be ingrained there already. I think. Um. Also, we touched on. Uh, what do you think of Mitch tonight? I mean, one thing I'm curious about going forward is his. I mean, I'm curious. I was curious about it in general, but especially with Davion and Denzel out for, we'll just say, extended period of time, and then Damian kind of up in the air. Um, maybe we'll throw him into the day-to-day category at the moment. Uh, you've got to get that production from something, right? It has to be. It has to increase either across the board or someone has to step up, right? And who's better suited from a talent standpoint than Mitch? Right. And I understand it goes against everything he Maybe. believes in as a basketball player, but and he only played 24 minutes tonight. That's, I'm not expecting 20 shots in 24 minutes, but, I mean, seven shots, I feel like. Um, if he thinks he can take seven shots a night, I, I think that's not going to be effective 
I think he needs more. Yeah. I think I think he's got to be more – I think he's just got to go to a place that's not natural for him and be more aggressive because they have to get that 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 punch from somewhere, right? Do you, yeah. Do well, you think I, you, I would imagine – I don't remember them drawing up a play for – I don't remember them running a play for Mitch tonight, mm-hmm. did they? I don't think so. Not that I remember. So, like, you'll, they'll just do but some they're of gonna, that. But they're going to do Well, that, that's what though. I'm saying. Like, they'll do some of that where it's basically just like – Hey, this is designed for you to get yeah. a shot, and so because if he has two shots with like two minutes left in the set in the first half, they've got to get him going, right? Yeah, because they need. I, I, I mean, to win yeah. games, are they going to be able to win games with? Um, you know, Mitch just I just feel taking like, six or seven shots yeah. a night. Do you think like probably, uh, probably not? But I, I don't know. I feel like he's going to get it. I, I don't know. Do you I think, think, I think gonna, he is. it's going to come naturally? Yeah, yeah. through what they do, right? Tonight is kind of hard. It's hard to make that judgment because it's just a different game, and mm-hmm. they had weird lineups, and it, I don't know. It just felt a, it, it felt like the offense didn't really find its footing until maybe mid second half. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's part. But this of is it. who they're going to roll with for the that's foreseeable true, future, right? right? I mean, when's Denzel's eligible date? December fourteenth, right? Yeah, whenever the end of finals week is, and with Davion. Out of the cast, November sixth. Then a two to three week timetable after that, he's going to miss at least um, two games, maybe three. Three, three games. He's going to miss three. Yeah, which is Michigan. So, you know, when's he? I mean, he may be back for Vegas, that sort of deal. Yeah, maybe a game before that or so. On the on the best case side, yeah. And worst case side, he comes back with Denzel. So. I mean, yeah, that's. I mean, those two guys. When those two guys come into the fold, that's a lot of firepower, obviously, and defensive versatility. Um, that kind of changes the dynamic of things if they if they come back ready to go. But in the meantime, um, Creighton not only lacks in some physicality and athleticism and defensive chops, so they've got to kind of make that make up for that with some uber offensive efficiency because I feel like they're going to be struggling to stop people at least in this first month or so. Yeah. Just on sheer matchups, you know what I mean? Don't you think? Well, yeah, especially with Damian kind of being hobbled, exactly. like he got beat off the dribble a number of times because I don't think he can move laterally as well as he wanted to. Right. Um, so if he's not at full strength, like that—that's another. You know, that's a that's a, a matchup that teams are going to try to exploit. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I I, I appreciate the. I I've tweeted this. I appreciated Mitch's effort on the offensive glass because, mm-hmm. like the coaches, that, you know, we've watched in practice where the coaches have kind of uh, encouraged. Maybe that's might be the wrong one. Pleaded with mm-hmm. whoever is playing that four spot. I think Mitch played it a lot tonight to crash the glass and create some offensive rebound opportunities. And I think he got he got one, but he created two others. Right second chance opportunities with his hustle and so that I mean he just affects the game in so many ways mm-hmm. and and I know there's a pretty big argument for it to be made that he's not selfish enough but I, I wonder if I don't know I, I feel like the version that he is is pretty good mm-hmm. so there's uh, no doubt but I mean there's I mean that's true, but going into his junior year, same thing with Tyshawn. They have to, to have, if 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 Creighton wants to be better than they were in the past, they have to take a They step. have to be different. Yeah, they have to be yeah. better. 
Like they have to be different right. basketball players almost. They have to, I but mean, don't, but don't, and you like, saw a little bit of it tonight. Like Mitch has obviously gotten really good at finishing in unconventional ways, which is something that they, which is something they drilled in the late spring last year, early summer this year, this off season, was just you know a lot of unorthodox finishing off wrong foot, you know jumping too early, um, you know trying to score, just trying to avoid length um, around the rim. And I think Mitch has gotten really good at that. So he'll steal points that way. And then Tyshawn, I feel like, has made a lot of growth in his mid-range game, both with his back to the basket and just with, you know, catching along the baseline in that 15 to 17-foot area and rising up and knocking that thing down. He's so stronger, I too, feel like so he should be able to finish through contact a little bit better, too. Exactly. But I feel, I feel like they both have made growth in their abilities to score in different ways. Um and I think for Creighton to make a jump this year, they have to just put that on display on a regular basis. They have to be consistent with it and believe in it. I mean, I, Tyson Alexander scored 17 points and only six of those came from the three-point line. Right. I mean, that doesn't that that That's, probably didn't I, happen at all last year. No, with that really percentage, yep. you know. Yep. Um, so that's encouraging. Totally agree. And Mitch did go for one of the unconventional. I think he left it he a little one, short. He was one for two on his uh, attacks at the rim. Okay. Um, and one of them was like off, just straight off the ground, kind of scooped it up there. Yeah. He left it a little short, but he's been finishing that a lot, you know, the last yeah. few months. So I, you know, he's confident in that. But those, those, both those guys tried to score in those different sorts of ways that I think they'll have to. Throughout they'll the have to do that, no doubt. Mm-hmm. Um, any overall takeaway? I mean, they didn't shoot the ball that well from the three-point line, which I think we're going to have to. I mean, that's, that's to be expected, right? With the new line, everybody's going to kind of have an adjustment period with that, right? In terms mm, of game... Well... Game action. I'm uh, talking like NCAA-wide. Yeah, maybe a little bit, but I didn't expect... I don't think I would ever go into a game thinking the grade's going to be 32% from three, so... No? I think they're better than that. Yeah, well, Marcus, Marcus, Marcus is better than one for four, but Mitch and Ty were five for seven. Yeah. So I think Jalen Wyndham was over four. He's That's his first that. game. He's yeah, way better, right. than, that. He's better than that. Yeah. Um, Jordan took two late. Um, Damian was over one. So I mean, they didn't shoot all that bad from the three point line when you dissected a little bit. They're two guys that they're going to rely on to be to the top scorers on the team. Were five for seven, and then we talked about Marcus is going to have to kind of work his way back into things. Yeah. A little bit, so I'm sure he'll be fine. And we know he's been shooting it well lately in practice on the three-point line. So, um, But they made up for it. And, you know, 52 points in the paint, they're not going to get that every night. But nope. 17 and 19 from the free-throw line is a big improvement yeah. from something that bothered like, them earlier like in the season. getting to the line is, I mean, mm-hmm. that to me is the key. Can they get to the line? Yeah. Uh, I mean, Christian, I, I would imagine. Christian's going to get to the line because his he, speed is going to get him ahead of People that are going to and foul Tyson's stop pretty good at drawing fouls, mm-hmm. um, but that they they just got to find a way to score differently. Yes, last year they were too reliant on the three pointer, and when they needed a bucket, they went to that. Mm-hmm. They're just too comfortable going that route, and uh, there were games when those shots fell at Providence. It comes to mind when they were like nine of ten for a stretch in the second half from three. But then there are a lot of games when the shots weren't falling at that same rate. So, yeah, they just need to find different ways to score. And if you get to the line, you got to make it. And they're a good shooting team, so they, they should. Like, 
they're 17 to 19. Like, I expect them to be a good free throw shooting team, but and that's what they should be since they're like all guards. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, essentially, this the shooting last year was weird almost like because they were a really good shooting team even when they were struggling at the free throw yeah. line. It was like, why are you 50% from the field, 60% from three, or whatever you are, and then why are you better from three than you are at the free throw line? Yeah. Basically, um, let's get to questions, start knocking those out. Um, This one is from Mike Albert, fifteen. Uh, the twenty. Oh, this is more of a comment. The twenty-four ounce Coronas are now twelve dollars. Ugh. Sorry, Mike. That's disappointing. Yeah. Uh, I don't they don't serve us beer in no, the, I don't in get the media point. area. So other than this, we got bubbly, sparkling water yeah. that you dislike. I feel like it's disgusting. John is in on it. Yeah, I'm all in. But he's a seasoned vet with the spark in the water, apparently. Yeah, we're, we have. Have you tried the orange? Like, or is it? Am I just did I get the wrong yeah, flavor? I mean, you might have got the wrong flavor. But okay. um, is this the so, same brand you drink? You, you said twelve dollars for the Corona. I didn't. Mike did. Okay. So yeah, I don't. I can't confirm that information or not. But yeah, twelve dollars for a. I mean, a twenty-four ounce Corona though. I don't yeah. feel like that's when you think about a stadium-priced beer, although arena-priced beverage. Feels like a lot. Yeah, it's. I mean, yeah. Is that with lime or? I don't know. Probably not. Bring your own lime, maybe. Sneak that in the clear bag, right? Yeah, I think you could do that. Okay. Um, <coughs> we got mixed in with some Luca talk. By the way, sorry to sift through my mentions here. What was up with the audio today, though? Did you hear that? I didn't you, notice you were it as much. You were, yeah, you were I was missing. like, I was all, my head was kind of I thought they replaced the audio it in the sound, arena. It didn't sound It didn't sound good. No. Okay. Nah, this is it. So Dave won me an audio issue. Well, it's, I mean, here's the thing. It was an exhibition game for me. I felt like a little bit uncomfortable firing off tweets, writing my story. Oh, really? Yeah, it was oh. first time of the year, so I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt there. Okay. In terms the of, like, only first thing that game. bothered me in that regard was that I got there late, and I don't know how to find a good flow at that point. I kind of just sit there and watch stuff. Yeah, you went to volleyball first. Right. But I, that's interesting that you had some oh, jitters. Yeah. I didn't know that we that you went through that type of stuff. Well, it's not jitters. It's just sort of you're like... a seasoned pro. Yeah, but I it's mean, it, the first game, I, I don't know, it's weird. You just kind of got to work yourself back into a routine. So I felt that like, you know, you I know what Piv used to do. Piv used to live tweet practice and stuff. Maybe so that would help. That help I him, actually, like, what I thought group. about today, I haven't done that in like years. Ever since you know, what I, I thought about today was rewatching a game from last year and just like working it. Okay, to get yeah, tracking stats, get and, the muscle memory back mm-hmm. and whatnot. Yeah, I didn't end up doing that though. Hmm. Yeah, I watched inside the NBA instead. <laughs> That's you know what? That's not a bad replacement. though. <laughs> Homework versus inside the NBA, you know, has distracted many a college kid. I think so. Yeah, I, so, I was just thrown off because I went from volleyball lingo immediately to basketball. And I'm like, I need to settle in here a minute. Yeah, make sure the Wi-Fi works. That's a challenge in itself when you get to the arena late. Can be tricky. Yeah, I just went with the uh, iPad instead of laptop because I wasn't even. I I knew that was a foregone conclusion that the laptop wasn't going to work. Um, from Chris Lotus, how did we get? rid of the how do we get rid of the other three-point line um that'll be a thanksgiving present it's coming yeah it's coming yeah they tried to it looked like crap and so yeah you just you got the double line for now situation going on for now and it'll be that way until probably around thanksgiving when they get back from that first home game back from vegas they should have the new court ready to roll yeah 
for everybody's aesthetic pleasure. Mm-hmm. Uh, from Bill Christensen. I didn't, I didn't notice oh. anybody with a foot on the line. And Tyshawn, maybe? I think he had a step back three yeah. that, with the toe on the, on, the, on the line. Okay. And there's only one step out. That step – no, two two guys stepped out. Jet stepped yep. out right before halftime and, mm-hmm. and McKendry had it. That's like a, if you're like looking for prop bets amongst your buddies going into corner, games, corner, corner step, step outs. Out. Like set it, set the line at like at two, ben, and half, yeah. or, or two and a half or two and a half to Benny Parker. Is that, <laughs> is that, a, is that a number? <laughs> Maybe we should just say it. Do you, it, remember, were you, were you, you remember that game? <laughs> yeah, I was there for that. Where you stepped out like three times. Yeah, three times, yeah. which uh, is egregious for a <laughs> Division One player to do that that many times on his home court alone. Like, good lord, and but, it's red too. Like. That's the most. Br- that's the brightest color. You okay, can so at practice in August, uh, Dana Altman stopped by. It was it was around the time when they were doing the Hall of Fame thing, and he was in town for that. Yeah, I believe. Game and stuff. Okay. Yeah, I yeah. think he was in town for that. I'm pretty sure. I mean, that. he's in town quite a bit. Yeah, that's is, true. Yeah, and so I think it was that. It's fair to be confused. But uh, he stopped by practice, and he was watching guys take shots from the corner. And like the first thing he mentioned was, they got to keep their feet in bounds. Mm-hmm. And he was like. He was just sitting there, like talking to some of Craig's guys after the workout. He was like, you know, you gotta keep your feet feet in when you shoot those shots. And uh, to me, I immediately sort of mentally noted notated that like we're gonna see that a lot because the line has moved back. It hasn't moved back a full sixteen inches on the in the corner. Right. It's shorter, but because it is squared off. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But you're gonna see guys who are trying to keep their feet behind the line, like go a little bit too far back and mm-hmm. step out. So we had two tonight, and my assumption is that you're gonna have like that one or two like, a game. Yeah, that, that's a pretty safe bet. Yeah, yeah. Um, which will be interesting to see if any of that is costly. Right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. corner threes are like you know the analytics as the analytics have integrated into the game more, um, especially the college game. That corner three is a big weapon of teams because it beats zones, and people don't watch it very much when they're, you know, playing that strong side ball defense because it's the weak area. And, and it's floor. like a fundamental principle of Creighton's fast break offense to yeah. like sprint to the sprint corner, to the corner. Gets, get, yeah, get, 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 get shot ready. Get, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So there's a lot. I mean, I feel like there's some guys on like Mitch. Can nail that shot yeah. all day from the corner. I feel like DJ is really comfortable hitting that shot from the corner. Mm-hmm. It's just a, it's it's an important. I would feel like Dave, I would feel like Davion would lead the team if you weren't injured, but he's going to be behind the eight ball in corner three. Yeah, I know in corner three stepouts. Oh, because <laughs> I felt like he stepped out a lot last year. So I mean, sorry, Davion, if you're listening, but I feel like that he's he, I wasn't he, he won't about, he won't lead the team. About, I was I was talking about like who shoots that shot well. Oh, and, and well, unless you were worried about who's going to step out of bounds a lot this year. Isn't that, wasn't that your, uh, yeah, I thought that yeah, was I what mean, you were going through. You uh, led me in the straight on that one. I, yeah, I was just kind of, <laughs> I mean, I was thinking who was going to shoot that shot a lot. Oh, okay. Because they practiced that shot. My bad. That was just unnecessarily disrespectful, disrespectful then. We do have a Davion question now that is also going to be unnecessarily disrespectful of Davion. So this is a double apology, although I'm not asking it. Um, this is from Bill Christensen, and he wants to know who played college basketball longer. Davion Mintz or Perry Ellis? So did Perry Ellis play? For obviously, a long time? we know we know that we know the answer is Perry Ellis. But is that is Davion entering that territory? Has he been? Does he feel like a guy that you can't believe is still here? Type of deal. I mean, I don't think not, Davion. No, is. I, I, right? I mean, but he's played his whole career, so he. True. That's, that's that. That's usually like mm-hmm. part of it, and and a lot of times I feel like it's got to be. Um, 
you, like it's just sort of a I don't know how to it's got to be a guy who is a regular contributor too right. so like and that's how what he's always been he started pretty much every game he's played right I mean f- for the most part so the name's familiar he's obviously been on he's a senior so mm. he, he might be approaching that territory so who are the other guys in the Big East then? Who have like played their whole careers? Marcus Howard has. Marcus Howard has started from day one, pretty much. Yeah, and he's a senior, and so is Miles Powell. He he, he came took, off the he bench. Took, he took a backseat to that core four team. He yeah. was like a he was like the fifth wheel. Some for some guy. Okay. The guy I love the about that Seton Hall team. When you think about how good Miles Powell is right now, and how much that core four underachieved. Mm. When I'm like. That you had you had the best talent on that team just yeah. as the sixth man for crying out loud. Uh, um, but anyway, yeah, I mean the least full of these guys though, like Kamar Baldwin has played his whole Baldwin's one for sure. He's played his whole career, and uh, I mean last year it was probably like Jesse Govan and Eric Pascal. Uh, but Pas- Pascal, Pascal had—that's Pasca- what makes it crazy. Because like, it felt like he was at Villanova for four years, and then you think about the fact that he transferred in. Yeah. It's like, wait a minute, how many years of eligibility did that kid have? Because <laughs> Alpha, yeah. Alpha, Alpha, Alpha's definitely one. He's been playing in this league for a He's long been time. Been around a minute, yeah. Um, that's crazy. St. John's doesn't have anybody like that. Neither does DePaul. I think that might be it. Was that? There's just going to be more. I'm sure there's a couple more that like. Is 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 uh? What year is Sean McDermott? Is he a senior or a junior at Butler? He might be a junior. Okay, maybe a senior. I don't feel like I've seen a lot of him. You haven't seen a lot of him. He's always knocking down a three every now and then. I I think he scored 29 in their exhibition tonight. Oh, did they win? Against Indianapolis, yeah. They won. Yeah, that's good. Your Butler's back. Not back. Oh, Um, I'm down on Butler this year. I'm down on Laval Jordan is what I'm in. Did you see the metrics, though, the preseason metrics, which you can't put a whole lot of stock in, but, like, Butler's a top 40 team, I think, in the BPI and the in the in Ken Palm. Hmm. I'm trying to think what I would bet that they don't finish as a top 40 team. <laughs> there's, a lot, there's a lot of things popped into my head that I'd be willing to lose. I think that that's one. right. I, I know they're top 50. Do you feel like they are top 50? Like, what uh, you think about that team as it's made up? No, I, I do have questions. I think they brought Jordan Tucker off the bench again tonight, which is uh, kind of tells I was, you that he I, I was done. thinking that he would take the next step. That's right. kind of that's, what I was That's immediately about. what I thought of when I heard he's coming off the bench again. I'm like, okay, right. so he's not responding in the way. Yeah. Because there's no way they want that guy coming off the bench, right? I would think not. I mean. But they have that, like, weird mix where Kamar Baldwin and Aaron Thompson are really good defenders, but they can't shoot. And then. Sean McDermott. Did you say that was a good mix? or No, weird mix. Weird. Sorry, that's weird, what I meant weird, to say. Weird is a good, yeah. Yeah. Okay. The, yeah, they have those two guys who can't shoot, but they're really good defenders. Yeah, the and, way I just, then, the way I but then, like, Butler was, but then Sean McDermott and Jordan Tucker really shooters. Good shooters that they, really, yeah, they, that's why I'm down on Butler because they have literally a whole roster of specialization. There's nobody who's like just a basketball player. They're just like you can do that, you can do that, and we'll try to piece it together. Like, yeah. I just had, I don't have faith in that. I know. I, I I was thinking like we're going on tangents. A little bit. I saw that. 
we say I mean, this for a, a Biggie's the, preview or something? We probably should have done a Biggie's preview. <laughs> but, but, like, Laval Jordan was part of Michigan's rise. I saw, you know? I saw. I did see a tweet that, like, gave that Beeline was giving him props today or something. Yeah, like, he's so. got to be a good coach. Like, I, I, okay, I want to believe He was part him. of Michigan's rise, and he went to, like, Utah-Milwaukee. And had, like, for a year, losing. though, but that was a messed up situation. Okay, but, uh, I want to believe in it. I want to believe in him, and I feel like but what, there's what, a bounce What direction is Butler trending in since he's been there, though? I don't know. They did. Yeah, I know which they direction. Ended, you know. You know damn well what direction they ended, they're trending they ended, in. Ended the season two and seven. Thank you. Yeah. So that's not what trend is that. What direction? Up or down? What's the next question? Is it, is it flat? Yeah, I don't think so. What's, is there another question? Uh, we have two unrelated to Creighton questions. Um, well, not unrelated to Creighton. One is a Creighton volleyball question. The other one's a a ref uniform question. Fake Blue Crew wants to know what we think of the ref uniforms. I like the ref uniforms. Yeah, I'd say I'd say I would not want to wear it myself. Yeah, I wouldn't look good. In I'm, I'm a little doughy. Yeah, um, if you're doughy, I'm Jesus. Not Jesus. I'm not Jesus. That's <laughs> blasphemy. I am. Uh, <laughs> I am. I don't even know what's that for doughy. I don't know. I would. I don't want to interject. I'm just gonna let you kind of. It's like a like when you make when your mom or grandma makes like homemade bread or whatever. It's just all a bunch of clump of dough in a bucket that we're waiting for rice. That's what I am. And uh, you're like the you're like the dough that goes into the bucket, right? Sure. So I'm you're pre risen dough. I'm post risen dough because there's it expands. I get you. We got it. I like we it. Figured, we figured it out. Ah, that's pretty good. Um, good. I like the ref uniforms. Huh? I thought that. I mean, I like. It's like, like the little like the black. On the sleeves, yeah, it's and then so deep, and they're uh, they kind of fit, they're like tight to right. the body. I feel like they all look pretty intimidating now, so they might like not get yelled at as much or cursed at. I think it's like a decent look for we had Bo being intimidating. In we did, yeah, and he got to yell at McKendry tonight for the. I mean, it's probably the only time he'll get to yell at McKendry all year, but yeah, because Sharif got hurt on that layup. He, like, That's jumped, right. he like jumped awkwardly and tweaked. I don't his, think he should have stopped play though. Did you always he thought he should have. Do you always stop play when someone like, tweaks an ankle? I mean, Sharif didn't even fall. He was just sort I, of like limping. I, I agree with you. However, and, and his his communication to McKendry was he was hurt, and that's enough. Yeah, and that's why I blew the way. Like, well, he yelled what was interesting is like he, he he stood there and watched Sharif sort of like limp, and then he was like, "Play, stop. yeah, yeah." I didn't know that that's a thing. I thought I feel like it shouldn't be a thing. I think it that, should not be a thing. But then again, what if somebody like. I mean, if they're hurt and they're in the play, that's yeah. when you stop it. If they're behind the play, you let that thing finish, then you stop playing. But why? why? What's the difference there? Well, the difference is he's not going to get further. Yeah, he's not going to get injured further. Because he's, he's not, okay. not going to hurt anybody else being on, you know, being in a compromised position on the court. I guess that's true. You know what I'm saying? You just let that, you let that thing finish out, and then you stop play. That's how I've always deemed it, but I can kind of see now, like, from a consistency standpoint, if you're going to call it, like stop play when somebody's hurt in the middle of traffic or something. Mm. You might as well stop play. Well, the thing is, the, 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 well, the thing that makes it a difficult call is you have to stop it before someone has an advantage. Otherwise, you're really going to piss off some coach or team yeah. players because you don't want to ruin an advantage either. So you kind of have to see it, identify it, and stop play right away before. Right? Can you imagine? I'm just it. thinking about this. Can you imagine if in basketball instead of calling like cheap fouls if they just played the advantage like they do in soccer <laughs> just continued on yeah. right? just well they're just yeah, like yeah. advantage yes right and then we'll see if we need to call that foul later oh, I kind of I think I like that do you yeah I mean perimeter fouls are a waste of time okay you know like I feel like uh, we could see a lot of ugly defenses <laughs> being played 
I'm just trying to think of how some savvy coach would take advantage of that situation. Uh, what was it? Racking up, tackling three point shooter. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um, and the okay, so the Creighton question that was unrelated to basketball is from J Pac Man. Uh, wants to know if the Jays worked on their block this week in practice in volleyball. Um, clearly, because they had twelve tonight That's against St. To, John's. That's close to the season high, isn't it? Um, yeah, I feel like fourteen or fifteen was their season high against Wyoming or Wichita. Wichita, they had a lot of blocks. Wichita, they had fourteen. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Um, yeah, twelve. They were really good tonight um, from the start too. They were getting a lot of block touches. Twenty-five to twelve. Yeah, that was, and it wasn't that close. It was like it was like it was like nineteen to five, and then St. John's like went on a run. Oh my goodness! Yeah, yeah, they held St. John's to oh eighty six, which is not easy to do. I think it's only the third time St. John's has been under a hundred all year, and for most of the match, it was flirting with like they were like oh thirty something, so they got hot in the, in the third. Just, they had yeah. seventeen kills in the third set. St. John's did, so that's how they got to oh eighty six. Um, yeah, Creighton kind of whipped them tonight. Creighton didn't make a single attack error in the third set. They were 15 of 33 on clean. Yeah. They kind of just do what they do. They're a machine. Someone asked me, like, they got to the arena, like, how was the match? And I was like, mm, same old stuff. Right. If you've, seen it, if you've seen it 33 times, you've seen them, you've seen them all type of deal, which is what they're winning straight, or 34. 34 now. Yeah, 34. And Biggie's, and Biggie's 42 straight at home, so it's been a minute since we've... Watch them take an L against a Big East team yeah. person. A lot has happened since their last Big East lost. Yeah, at home. I'm trying to think. Do I? I I'm trying. I think I was there. What was it? It was. I, know, I, it was, was, still, I was still covering Nebraska. Nebraska. <laughs> That's how long ago? It was, was. in 2015. You weren't even married. You were still covering Nebraska football. Right. I think they lost to Seton Hall. Got swept last yeah. day of the year. I think that's what it was. If I remember right. At home. Yeah. So, yeah, they did practice blocking. Kirsten talked about it. Um, that's it for questions. Anything else we didn't talk about that you want to talk about? You good? Yeah. We we went on a lot of tangents tonight. We so. did, but I think that's what... Damn, we talked 53 minutes on McKendry. Holy crap. Um, oh, we didn't talk about McKendry the whole time, though. <laughs> that's true. We should do a Big East preview. Because I feel like we had some good... Something good going there. Maybe it's too late. We'll preview the Big East when it's Big East time. Maybe that's what we'll that's do. That's what we usually do, right? Yeah. I feel like we do a preview once gotta, we kind of have a – got to watch these teams play. I mean, the, we can talk crap on them all day, but I want to see them first. Yeah, Creighton plays Midland. Because someone, someone just wrote a speech – or not a speech. Someone just wrote a speech. I'm, like, getting my political stuff in here. Someone wrote a uh, kind of a story on – I think it was Norlander, man, Norlander, just kind of dissected non-conference schedules and whatnot. Oh, so I guess the Big East as a whole has like the second toughest non-conference slate of you know when you According piece to everything together, yeah, whatever yeah. metrics he used. Um, I mean, so no, they're going to be challenged. Like yeah. the, the the league's going to have to prove that it's going to be as good as everybody says it is. I feel like it's. I feel like it's jumping into overrated territory because I don't see. That's uh, why. Yeah, I feel that too. I don't feel. I don't see. There's. I don't see a national champion in this group. Me which, I mean, in two years ago, there were two one seeds for crying out loud. So. Yeah, I, don't if feel I, don't, I think everybody's expecting that. It's going to fall well short, in my opinion. I feel, but I, it'll be better. I feel. I don't know. I feel like it's going to be similar to last year. Yeah, where me too. 
I, mean, I think they're going to get more than four in the tournament, but um, I I don't think I don't know if they have any a top four seed in this league. Yeah, maybe. I'm not convinced. It's be, yeah, that I, there's a top four seed. I know. So, because who are your four tournament teams? Just the top four that you picked in your standings. I said five. I, I thought there was going to oh, be five okay. with the potential for six. Okay. So I think Mark, seven's so a little Providence much. is your yeah, or your right. Your, I'm not sure what to make of Providence yet. Yeah. Uh, I, not, I, I don't, I don't know yet. who's. I mean, other than other than getting older, who's gotten better is the question, right? I don't know. Villanova hasn't. I'm not. Villanova has not gotten better. Well, I think that Villanova and Marquette are worse. Yes. And Seton Hall is the same. St. John's is worse. DePaul is worse. Butler is. Well, I, Butler's maybe they're better. They should be better. Not, Seton, not Hall should, better. Seton Hall also should be better. Should they be better or should they be the same? They should be better. Okay. Um, Providence, Georgetown, Creighton should be better. Okay. Xavier should be better. Like a lot of those teams are the same. Yeah. But. You you would imagine, given time spent together, mm-hmm. make continuity, them. experience, okay. like that's gonna, but but how much? Like right, right. Like, and can somebody actually take a gigantic leap to where they're instead of being like barely a top fifty team, which is like what the middle pack of this league was last year, right? A bunch of teams that are like forty fifth to fifty fifth. Because who was the, who was the top tournament seed last year? Nova, Villanova and Marquette at five, and both okay. teams by well, the end of the year got were not playing. Tails by, kicked yeah. at, yeah. but they weren't playing like fives no. by then. No, and uh, so I don't know. Like to me, were there only three tournament teams from this league last year? There were four. St. John's got in as a okay. Uh, so St. John's got a playing game, and yeah. they it was competitive. But I mean, no, it wasn't. They got blown out. Didn't they, they didn't really look good. So all four exits were. Butt whoopings. Wofford killed oh. Seton Hall. Didn't they kill them? No, I thought they, they, they hung in for killed a while. They that, hung in for a while. They scored. They hung in for a while and lost by 17. What does that tell you? Yeah, but it got a little out of hand at the end. I thought. It I got thought, out of hand at the beginning. Then Seton Hall. Then Miles Powell went nuts. Then it got out of hand yeah, again. Like, right, they yeah. blew him out twice. Yeah. I mean, Villanova and, won and a Carson game. Edwards beat Villanova by himself. Yeah. Um, and John Morant beat Marquette by himself. So, they've got beat by two players and then a Pac-12, a Midland Pac-12 team. And, or I guess... It's probably an elite Pac-12 team when you think about it because they're not very good. But the whole league is not yeah. Really good. Yeah. So they got whipped by Arizona. They got whipped by a playing team, yeah. two, two NBA stars in the making, and uh, what's the fourth one? I just, I just spaced it. Uh, uh Seton Hall. Yeah, Seton Hall. Wofford. Just, you know, I mean, Fletcher McGee. Yeah, Fletcher McGee. They got, they got Fletcher. They got Fletcher. They got Carson. They got. Jod hard. Jod hard. I mean, Jod, Jod sent Hauser to freaking Michigan State. Yeah, he left. Yeah. He kicked him out of the Big Instead East. Of the East Lansing. <laughs> Get your ass out of Milwaukee. <laughs> uh, I just, I, yeah, I'm with you. I, I feel like that the the expectation for the Big East is that it's going to take this gigantic leap for it as a league, and I'm not sure. I mean, it's being rated well. as the second best league in the nation. Know, that feels right like now. a stretch. That feels like a stretch. But it, it I mean, from one, one through. One through seven, yeah. Like, I feel like I don't think that the league's going to be good enough to where it can support seven tournament teams. But I think mm-hmm. you'll have seven teams that are tournament caliber. It's yeah. just that once you get into league play, 
and say the seventh place team is eight and ten, like that's not going to get you into the NCAA tournament. I know St. John's got in, but they had their bet. They were at a weird eight and ten last year because they beat Villanova and Marquette and got a win over Seton Hall. Mm-hmm. So like there, theirs was a little bit abnormal. Most years when you're eight and ten, you're not going to be like whatever they were. What, what were they like four and two against the top three or something yeah, like that? Right. You're not going to do that normally. So. That, that might have been. Maybe they're three and three against the top. I can't. They swept Marquette. Three and one. Three and one. They, they swept Marquette. They swept Marquette. Marquette. Over. They were three, with three and one against the top two. Yeah. yeah, and then they split with Seton Hall too. Yeah, it's just that that's not happen very often. I agree, but I mean, I think like, I mean, from an outlook standpoint, you, here's where here's how this league will be closer to what it was two years ago, is if, and it won't be this year, but if Villanova, Creighton, Georgetown. If those three teams make big jumps this year, um, well, I guess Villanova wouldn't make a jump, but if Georgetown and Creighton make big jumps into the Villanova territory where Villanova usually is, and they're all, say, five seeds or higher, or in that three to six seed range this year, then the following season for those three teams, they will be elite programs at that point. Because they'll all, all be. They're, they're all bringing Because they're all going to bring their cores back, yeah. right? Yeah, everyone else is yeah. going to lose. Exactly. Seton Hall's going to lose Powell. Yeah. Marquette's going to lose Howard. Um, Butler's going to lose Baldwin. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the, that's like so. It's it's kind of on those three to make jumps this year into top twenty-five territory, and then the following year they'll be. And I don't know if that's going to happen. I agree. That's kind of what I'm at. Yeah. Like, so that's that's kind of what my thinking has always been. Is I don't think those teams are going to be. You know, I don't think this is the year for these for this league yet. I think they've. I think it's another growth year. Where last year was a down year, this year's a transition year, and the year after that is the one where you potentially have some elite teams in it. Right. But we should probably stop and have this conversation in a more in-depth manner at a later date. By the way, I did check out ESPN's BPI. Creighton fans will like it because I think Creighton was a 45% chance to make the NCAA tournament. Is that Which I think was second best in the league. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. And, uh... They were a top 30 team in the preseason BPI. Hmm. Creighton was. BPI did not like Xavier. I mean, what's to like? Athleticism, yep. experience. Yep. Those two things are there. Guts and grit. Yeah, but I don't think you can analyze that, can you, from a statistical standpoint? Which is what the BPI kind of does. <laughs> the like computer, how we calculate, the can't sense that. It does not compute. Yeah. Can I say one more thing about Seton Hall that I just you looked can say up? Whatever the hell you want, did, man. It's our show. Did you? They were really lucky last year, and part of that who was power. Seton Hall. Yeah. Thank you. Right? I it mean, unbelievable how lucky they've been lucky for is a it, while. Is it lucky, or is it just Miles Powell doing? I mean, because I felt like they were. Gonna, I felt like they were going to be. Who did I? Bet? I bet Fanta that they were going to win uh, six conference games last year. Mm. And my reasoning for that was the year before when they had the core four that were like they kind of. I mean, they way. freaking were an eight seed that, with their greatest team ever. I mean, since the final four squads, um, they won a ton of like one possession games. And I'm like, so you lose all the experience of a team that just made its living off of one possession, just being the more experienced yeah. team, and you're not that anymore. Yeah. Um, I didn't account for Miles Powell being an animal. <laughs> yeah. So that Especially, was like, yeah. He's just so, so that was my comeuppance. Was he turned into a? St- that's why I had him as player of the year last year because I was like, 
that dude's different. Yeah, and so, I think that he were like 60th in Kempom going into the NCAA tournament. I know or their like metrics that. are such, just, a, such an anomaly. That which is why it was sense. funny watching how overrated they got in the offseason because it was like, oh yeah, Miles Powell is coming back. This team's top 15. Well, and that's why. The thing. It's like, but here's the thing: maybe they are. Because of the rest of the college basketball? It, well, okay. and that's just who it is. Like, that's just who they are. Like, they, it doesn't really make sense from a, you know, when you look at the numbers. Yeah. But they just when you tear it apart, it's like they got their butts whipped as a 10 seed, a one-and-done 10 seed, got lost by, like, 17, and they still just have that team. So why is there a Final Four dark horse in their future in yeah. terms of, like, the roster they have? And, and they Unless were, that seven foot two dude that they added, like, is just a beast down there, like... Well, where you just can't get anything at the rim, and God help you on the three point line. I think you played like twelve minutes in their exhibition, so, so that doesn't. So you're not saying it doesn't bode well. Then <laughs> I just that's the difference maker. They're opening. They, I, I, I didn't get to watch this game last year because I was, uh, I don't know. I think we were probably covering a Creighton game, but they played Marquette. You remember that, those last two games? Oh, where Miles went just nuts yeah. at the end of it. Yeah. yeah, when they were down like I, I thought that sealed the deal 10. for Player of the Year. Yeah, they were down ten with like five minutes left, and they went on like eighteen no run. They, they, they finished the game on an eighteen no run. In a must-win game for Marquette, yeah. <laughs> like, like, yeah, Marquette wins, they win the league, and Miles Powell's like, I got this, right? Uh, they look at that. Yeah, that was banana. I know. Look at that line. Oh my god, the win probability is insane. Yeah, their win probability was four point nine percent according to Kemba. That is that is like falling off the Grand Canyon. Look at that yeah. spike. Great, had a lot of those. Yes, they did. <laughs> they did. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't they have two of the three most improbable losses last year? They definitely no. It the Marquette one was the most improbable. One. Well, it was for a while, but it ended. It ended? Uh, it ended as seventh, seventh most improbable loss, and that was the only one that made the list of, according to Ken Palm. Okay. Um. So interesting. I remember watching that UCLA Oregon game. Oh, I think that one was. Wasn't that one one where Oregon or UCLA had to do the miss free throw? Yeah. Rebound the yeah. Which was, you know, it was foul up three. They made, and you think you're good, and mm-hmm. they miss. They made the first and missed the second on purpose. And, and they, they got, got it. it and bang overtime. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know what was really funny about that was it was the day after. Um, it was either the day after or two days after Creighton Marquette, the the point eight game. Yeah, so everybody about the UCLA Oregon game. Yeah. Oh, it was the next day. It was the next day. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. So everybody. It was funny because everybody was just like banging on Mac about being this like. <laughs> You know this choke artist extraordinaire. It's like, yeah. and they were just like lamenting like what Dana Allman's teams were like at finishing games and whatnot. And it was like, I'm just like, y'all remember the three man weave they used to go into with like 15 minutes left and a double digit lead, like that would make things. <laughs> That's what for my times. Like, I know, I know. But then yeah. the next night, Oregon had like the you know a more improbable loss, and it was like, I feel like people are just missing in that awareness category a little bit too much because it was funny watching watching that happen. Wild man. back-to-back nights. Yeah, that was crazy. I felt like Creighton was in the top three with two. They were top five with the two of the two of the games. Well, I don't remember what the other one was though. I can't. Think, I can't remember now. Uh, maybe Xavier on the road. You know what? That felt like one that they yeah. That, with, the, with the backcourt, the backcourt turnover, backcourt turnover, the backcourt pass, backcourt pass to a wide open uncontested layup to the opposite to the tie player. The game. Yeah, yeah, opposite team player. Yeah, yeah. Might have been that one. I don't know. Could have been one of the Seton Halls. Who knows. For sure. I mean, it could have been Villanova, Seton Hall. Because they had what? They had, they had three free throws to win it? Villanova? Yeah, right? Uh, Joseph, I think, Joseph I made one of three. Down, I thought they were down one with with Joseph going to the line for three. And he made one of three to tie it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sounds right. Yeah, okay. Um, 
Yeah. Look right. at well, we're just pissing people off. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't I can't come back in time and warn you not to listen to the last ten minutes, but you're gonna hate it. But uh <laughs> Listen, it's an exhibition season for all of us, including podcasts. Yeah, so I mean, if you, want to look, if you want to look at it optimistically. It's a Friday night. If you want to look fun. at it optimistically, all of those close losses that the Jays suffered last year theoretically should be uh, reason for motivation. And oh, you know what we should mention? Also reason f- if you're going to build a case for why Creighton will take that next step yeah. is that. Okay. Because either it's the – weird sort of luck part of the game will flip in their favor or they'll just be smarter and more experienced with it and just value valuing possessions um also as a side note i feel like that they have run more ding, 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 ding. end of game scenarios in practice not to pull seniority on you but more end of game scenarios in practice than i've seen since i've been covering them so i don't know how many years that is but watching practice like six years a lot of end game scenarios. So like, yeah, it might be better than that because they've been practicing a lot. Well, more the than weird thing about it is though is you, you're never gonna get the. You're, it's never gonna be a situation where you're in a game and you're like, oh yeah, we practice this exact scenario. Right. Like they they're never that. They don't duplicate get duplicated that way. But I think it's just you sort of train your mind to think like the game's online. I can do this. I can't do this. Or these are the types of decisions I have to make. Um, and then, uh, like, that level of awareness and sense of urgency. Mm-hmm. So they've tried to replicate it in practice, but, you know, we'll find out if, we it, if it translates. Yeah. All right. All right. Bye. This was fun. <laughs> Have a good night, everybody. Um, enjoy your weekends. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Thank you for your questions. Um, this will be the first of many this year, so we always appreciate the interactions and everything. After all, this is your show, not ours. We just do the talking. So, um Everybody have a good weekend. We'll talk to you no Tuesday, right? Tuesday night? Tuesday night. Man, Tuesday night. Game one. Basketball season is back. Have a good one, everybody.